Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Chris Bishop. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Regent Surgical Health. He's in charge of overseeing the day-to-day operations of the company, as well as Regent partnerships around the globe. Formerly Regent's president, much of his focus is on developing and executing marketing strategies that continue the pace of Regent's impressive long-term growth, as well as driving Regent's rapid rollout of new outpatient service lines. If you all remember, uh, almost three years ago, we had... Tom Mallon, that was episode number 10, if you have an opportunity to go back and listen, uh, cover Regent, but it's been three years and the work that Regent continues to do is so tied to value-based care and how to deliver on that promise. Chris is, is a proven leader in the healthcare industry with a strong commitment to Regent's corporate values. Nearly two decades, he's worked closely with physicians and other healthcare leaders to develop new business opportunities that are focused on delivering superior outpatient care. Prior to joining Regent, Chris was a partner and senior VP at Blue Chip Surgery Center Partners in Nashville, Tennessee. And there, he, he really did such a great job of accelerating firm growth through the Novo and turnaround of underperforming surgery centers, helping lead the organization toward market leadership and spine-based ventures. We're going to cover a lot about ASC's value-based care. And it's such a privilege to, to have the talented Chris Bishop here with us today. So Chris, big thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Saul. Chris, what did I leave out of that intro that you want to fill in uh, for the listeners that are, that are tuning in? Yeah, I think you covered it well. I've enjoyed each step of my career. And at this stage, you know, probably I'm in the most rewarding position I've been in here at Regent thus far. That's awesome, man. It's uh, it's great to have uh, start with gratitude. You know, I'm a firm believer in that, and and so you've had a fruitful career. Tell us what got you started in the healthcare sector. Yeah, it's interesting because in college I knew I wanted to move into the medical career, but I wasn't quite certain where. And uh, after several athletic injuries, multiple surgeries in college, uh, really decided at that stage that I wanted to get into the surgical side. So I. Started in the medical device industry, and then four or five years into my career, managed to transition over to the provider side, specifically in surgery centers. Mm. So fascinating. So athletics, got some injuries. You were a recipient of these services, and you said, there's something here. I could do something here. Yeah, I have enjoyed this. It's... uh, it's an opportunity to help people return to work, return to the sports field, return to health. I mean, most of our patients that come into our facilities are in pain, and we get the privilege of helping alleviate that pain and return them to a, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, it's a, it is a privilege. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. What do you think uh, is a hot topic that needs to be on leaders' agendas today, Chris? And how are you and, and the folks at Regent Surgical approaching it? Yeah, so for us in the surgery center space, we have historically, we've known that we were the low-cost, high-quality provider. 
But a lot of the economics in the healthcare system didn't necessarily drive care into our particular segment. So as we transition away more and more from the fee-for-service world that we've all grown up in, and we start to really look at fee-for-value, we're beginning to see payers, major payers, begin to shift care or require the care to get shifted to a lower-cost setting. We're seeing health system who historically were paid fee-for-service. And I mean, obviously, when you're paid in that particular manner, your desire is to collect uh, 100% of that click in the hospital setting at the higher rate. Well, now, even as, as our health system partners transition to value-based care through ACOs, through top health strategies, they're finding that their operating rooms, which historically were profit centers for them, that they could then turn around and invest in the, the less profitable or, or money-losing departments, they're now taking these monthly or quarterly fees to treat a population of patients and finding that their operating rooms are actually expense centers. So why do a, a knee replacement, for example, for 50000 in the hospital when you can do it for 20000 in a surgery center? And that 30000 savings now becomes a profit center for them that they can then invest in other areas of their organization. So all healthcare providers are really beginning to think through in the new world, how are we going to deliver fee, uh, uh, service through some kind of value-based approach? That's such a great idea, Chris. And, and you know, before we, we hit the record button, folks, you know, Chris mentioned, hey, you know, today in an era of value-based care where providers, you know, and also industry are looking for ways to get creative, it's not necessary to reinvent the wheel. And that's where ASCs come into play, ambulatory surgical centers. It's a critical segment that we could take advantage of to maximize value-based care strategies. So give us an example, Chris, of, of what you and your team are doing to create results, whether it be improved outcomes, increased profitability, or, or both. Yeah. So about three years ago, we really changed our uh, vision statement from uh, surgical procedures to surgical solutions. And what that allowed us to do is to really begin to think outside the box of not just strictly getting a patient into the surgery center and, and delivering care, but how can we deliver solutions uh, even beyond that? And so for us, we've invested heavily in the last couple years in particular around bundled payments. One of the big spend areas in American healthcare are joint replacements and spine surgery. Today, the surgeon has paid their professional fee, and frankly, we pay them the majority of their fee from their skin-to-skin -skin time. So I bring patient to the OR, I cut patient, I close, you know, treat whatever their disease is, replace their knee, and then close that wound and send patient on to physical therapy. Unfortunately, under that scenario, what happens is you have a lot of different care providers, and it's really not, there's no continuum of care that necessarily really thinks through can I achieve the necessary outcome with 12 physical therapy visits versus 20? And the medications that I'm using postoperatively, are there less expensive solutions? So the idea of a surgical solution whereby the physician is empowered and has the business resources around them to take a 90-day episode responsibility versus just the 60-minute skin-to-skin they are best positioned to squeeze costs out of that clinical pathway. 
So we've really empowered a lot of our orthopedic and, and neurosurgical partners to begin shifting from a just simply a surgical concept and where they are heavily compensated to really beginning to take on risk and watching these physicians really kind of battle through a lot of these clinical pathway decisions that they were never paid before to pay close attention to. So having that 90-day episode responsibility really allows them now to improve the quality of the outcome while also thinking about from an economic perspective and delivering that service in a, a more cost-effective manner. I think that's a really brilliant way to approach it and and non-traditional, right? I mean, let's just call it what it is. I right. mean, you're, as a surgeon, focused on that and that episode, on that episode of care, not that 90-day window of, of taking care of his patient, the medications, the physical therapy. And it's all about aligning incentives, right, Chris? And so you guys have figured out a way to align incentives and not waste as much. And so I'd love to hear maybe some takeaways and maybe even a setback that you guys had that help you get to that sweet spot. And I know there's no like sure. sweet spot, right? You're always developing and innovating, but I'd love to hear what a setback was that helped you get to where you're at today. Yeah. So I, I think as a younger leader, when I would organize teams to come together, I would pose the problem. The mistake that I often made was, hey, here's the problem. And here's what I believe the solution to be. So what did I just do? I, I just took four or five or 10 brilliant individuals that have, have come into this meeting that I've scheduled. Mm-hmm. I've shared with them the problem, which is perfectly logical. But then I have essentially now painted them into a corner and said, here's what I believe to be the solution. And I have just eliminated their ability to creatively think. So one of the things that I have really learned, I would say, particularly in the last five years of my career, is you load up the bus with great talent, and you are faced with problems daily, weekly, monthly, that uh, I certainly don't always have the solution to, often don't have the solution to. And so when I do bring those individuals to my team that I believe are uniquely qualified to bring value to that decision-making process, now I've learned, even if I believe I have the solution, I hold back on that so that I don't limit the creativity of the team. And what I have learned from that is that oftentimes my solution, which maybe took 10 steps to get us there, the team may arrive at the same solution, but they figured out how to get there in four steps. Hmm. So really leveraging or harnessing the power and creativity of, of your teams by not necessarily cornering them or pulling them into a, or painting them into a corner but really allowing them to use their creativity to arrive at a solution that oftentimes is better than than what I was thinking as we were headed into uh, problem solve. That's a great discipline, Chris. And and, uh, I can imagine at the beginning, it was hard to do. What got you in the rhythm of it? Yeah, I think uh, some of the early meetings, I remember calling the meeting, we'd spend 45 minutes talking through it, and I had shared the solution at the beginning. And at the end of 45 minutes, it was the same solution that I called the meeting to help me improve. And I learned from that experience. Basically, I wasted everybody's time for 45 minutes because I told them the problem. I told them the solution mm-hmm. and sort of eliminated their ability to, to bring value. So, yeah. you know, you learn from one of two methods. You either learn from your own mistakes, which I've certainly made plenty of, or you learn from other people's experiences. And obviously, that's the smarter approach. Love it. And what would you say today, Chris, is, is one of your proudest 
leadership experiences in healthcare? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that really drives me are seeing other people succeed and maximize their potential. So when I think about whether it's here at Regent or I think about uh, my time at uh, Blue Chip Surgery Partners, my previous group, I look at the people that I had a, that I played a role in hiring, mentoring, sometimes helping them uh, leave the organization to go take larger positions in other companies or larger responsibilities in other companies. Uh, my wife kids me sometimes that I should have been a recruiter because oftentimes I'm helping people that I have networked with and come across in my career find a fit for them in somebody else's organization if we don't have a seat on our bus uh, at mm. that particular moment. So so really for me, it's about pouring into other people and helping them maximize their potential. I love that. Yeah, that's a, it's a mark of a great leader. And you definitely have done a, a, a tremendous job there, Chris. A uh, lot to learn from. And, and folks, if you haven't heard of Regent and the work that Chris and his team are up to, definitely check them out after you listen to this. We'll give you a, a, a link to check them out. Go to outcomesrocket.health and type in Regent Surgical in the search bar. You'll find it there. But tell us about an exciting project or, or focus you guys are working on today, Chris. Yeah, for us, it's really... When I had the privilege of succeeding uh, uh, Tom Mallon, the founder of this organization, he had really left behind a great collection of assets and a great team. What we have really focused on over the last three years is continuing to add new talent to the bus, while at the same time, really building the systems to allow for scalability. So for us, we see a, an industry that, uh, frankly, is, is growing at a very rapid clip. We believe that growth is only going to increase as surgical techniques continue to improve, robotics shift to the ambulatory setting, value-based care virtually requires outpatient surgery to be done in the lower-cost surgery center setting. Even Medicare now is beginning to approve higher-acuity procedures in, in ASVs and has talked about even going to site-neutral reimbursements that will once again motivate the largest healthcare providers, the health systems, to even more quickly adopt the concept of ambulatory surgery. So for Regent, we're investing heavily in process and our ability to scale more quickly. So that, that's been a, a, a heavy effort for us the last couple of years, and we're really beginning to see the success of that. I think that's great. And just going back to, to one of your initial comments about shifting from procedures to solutions and what that's done to, to the approach of value-based care, improving processes. I mean, it's just, it's just brilliant work that you guys are doing there. Thank you. Appreciate that. So Chris, incredible work. I mean, some awesome examples of how surgical centers are becoming the opportunity for people to, to do value-based care. It's time for the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. What's the best way to improve outcomes? I'm going to suggest hiring great people combined with technology. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I believe getting off mission. And when your organization gets into too many areas, you're not best at one or two areas, but you're trying to be average at several. Love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? 
Constant innovation is how you respond to constant change. And to dive there a little bit deeper, Chris, innovation is something that we all strive for. If you had to summarize the best way to innovate, what would you say it is? We actually changed the name of our annual planning meeting to innovate. I even spelled oh, yeah? it uh, I-N-N-O-V with eight because I thought this will pull my millennials into the meeting. It will no longer just be a manager meeting. So for us, it's really nice. about embedding that into your culture. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many ways you could do that. And um, for example, what you did, right? Changing the name of the meeting. It's a recurring thing every year. Right. You change the name of the meeting. Uh, and even in that meeting, there's always three questions that I surprise the team with every year break them up into teams, one of which was transparent pricing this past year. The meeting was in February. What happens? Two or three months later, Medicare is suggesting that they may require transparent pricing for all health systems and or all healthcare providers. Well, we already had a strategy that we had built and put on the shelf in preparation for this. Had we not innovated that concept at this particular conference in our annual planning meeting, and leverage the collective uh, intelligence of our team, you know, we would not have been well prepared for that had Medicare required uh, this to be executed in a, in a short time frame. So those are the sort of topics that our team wrestles with, build the strategy. Frankly, the initial strategy is usually not very good, because so we continue to come back to it and continue to innovate that so that when it is time to launch it, We've got something that we've got months, maybe even years invested in. Wow. That's awesome, man. A great, great example. And, and what would you say the, the core focus area that drives Regent Surgical is? Well, I know I've woven this theme into several of my answers, but for us, it's really people development. Um, five years ago, because I never had responsibility for an entire organization, I'm not sure that I could have really defined what organizational development was very well. I knew how to develop my own personal team, but I hadn't really thought about it uh, organization-wide. Hmm. And so we've invested heavily the last two or three years really looking at how are we structured, where are we strong, where do we need uh, to continue to innovate or, or hire stronger folks, uh, where do we need to take our high-potential leaders today and pour into them, mentor them, so that they take my job, so that they are the leaders of tomorrow and they're well-equipped. So I think one of the mistakes we often make as companies is we're so focused on whatever that value prop is or whatever that area that drives our revenues, drives our profits, that we forget about investing in your most important resource, which is really your people. What a great message. Don't forget your people. And if you're listening to this today, think about ways you could invest and pour into the people that you're leading, that's helping the people that are helping you reach your audience, that are helping you reach your goals as a company. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Chris? Yeah, and, and I suspect, because uh, I know you have a very educated audience, that the majority of your audience has read this book, but uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. I've probably read it three times over the last 15 years. And ironically enough, uh, had it out, I hadn't looked at it in two or three years and had it out uh, over Labor Day weekend here recently, uh, going through chapter six, because I feel like our organization has done a nice job of, of really building our flywheels, getting the right people on the bus, 
And for us now, it's really continuing to generate even greater discipline to help us ensure that uh, we, we don't miss things as we continue this scalability project. So, but it, it's a great tool to really build and, and uh, position your companies for success. I think it's a great one, Chris. And for everybody that's read the book, why don't you open chapter six today? <laughs> right? That's a good call yeah, out, there Chris. you go. I love that you yeah, love called it. out the specific chapter because it's, it is a great book and there's tons in there that it's, it's worth revisiting. So awesome call out by Chris Bishop here, CEO of Regent <laughs> Surgical. Folks, you could get all of the transcript as well as links to the company and the show notes. Go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Regent Surgical in the search bar or type in Chris Bishop. Either one will get you the show notes. Chris, this has been incredible. I mean, what a great learning session with you. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with you. Yeah, you know, it's a fascinating time to be in healthcare because the way that, uh, you know, I, I've been working in healthcare for nearly 25 years now. Where I started at 25 years ago and where healthcare sits today and where I believe it's headed over the next decade it's a great time of upheaval. And when there's a, a great time of upheaval, there's a great opportunity for leaders in this space to really lead. So I would encourage your, your listeners to be courageous in their decision-making. And I'll leave you with this. My dad used to always say, if you did what you've always done, you'll get what you always got. And what I take from that is continue to innovate, continue to collaborate, and you will find areas where you can better treat patients, in a more cost-effective manner. And that's where healthcare is truly beginning to reward our industry. What a great parting message, Chris, and something that all of us need to take to heart. How can we apply that to our day-to-day -to, -day to improve our businesses that in the end affect outcomes and affect the bottom line? Chris, I just uh, wanna say we're, we're tremendously grateful for you to, to have joined us today and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.